Glenn Cox was born in Port of Spain, Trinidad, and moved to Canada at a young age with his family. He is a licensed paralegal in the province of Ontario since 2013 and is a member of the Law Society of Ontario. He is employed at GBC Legal Services Professional Corporation as Director of Operations. He assists clients with personal injury, criminal matters, landlord and tenant issues and small claims. Hello podcast listeners and welcome to another episode of Living Well with Kathleen Saunders, your weekly podcast where we discuss the financial, physical, spiritual and social well-being of everyday people like you and me. The information shared in this show is for general information purposes only and should not be used to make any personal changes to your lifestyle or health without consulting the appropriate financial, medical or healthcare professionals. All right, my guest today is Glenn Cox. Glenn is a senior paralegal and director of GBC Legal Services, PC, located in Brampton, Ontario. Welcome, Glenn, and thank you for being my guest today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Awesome. Great. So I'm really excited to hear you share the legal services and how you assist people that have been injured in a car accident, slips or falls, or even how someone could be held responsible if their guest gets bitten by a dog. Yes, yes. I certainly will enlighten uh, everyone and hopefully, um, you know, People will pick up uh, some tidbits from me and, and hopefully never need me. But um, if you do, um, I'm on the web at uh, www.gbclegalservices.com. Awesome. Very good. That's good to know. Uh, first, share with us, uh, why paralegal and not a lawyer? What's the difference anyway? Well, yeah. So um, there's not much difference between a paralegal and a lawyer other than um, paralegals are not licensed to practice family law, real estate, or wills and estates. Other than that, paralegals and lawyers can practically do every service that's available uh, you know, under the license and guidelines of the Law Society of Ontario. So for instance, um, in criminal matters, um, paralegals are are able to you know represent the public mm-hmm. in criminal matters but there's a difference so in a criminal matter if the sentence upon conviction is six months or less a paralegal is able to represent the public however if uh, the sentence is six months or more then the paralegal is not you know in their jurisdiction okay. so so light sentences under six months are called summary convictions mm-hmm. and sentences over six months are called indictable offenses so paralegals are not licensed to represent the public in indictable offenses but we can represent the public in uh, summary convictions and i'll give you a couple of examples of summary convictions yeah sure please uh, simple assault um maybe someone charged with shoplifting uh, impaired driving um yeah theft under and so those are those are simple criminal offenses that um, paralegals are able to assist the the public with. Okay, brilliant. That is good. Thank you for breaking that down for us. 
Okay, and you obviously went to school for this. How long was the, the program and what kind of certification did you achieve? Yes, yeah, so um, the, the program that I entered and uh, completed was, uh, I, did, I did two years at, at Sheridan College in Brampton. And I did another year at uh, Ryerson um, Polytechnique University. And after that, I wrote my licensing exam with the Law Society of Upper Canada. So at that time, it was called the Law Society of Upper Canada, but the name has now been changed to the Law Society of Ontario. Which um, the the thinking is that sounds a little more inclusive. You know, the old name, you know, the Law Society of Upper Canada, sort of sounded a little bit stuffy. Yeah, I would agree, definitely. That was a good choice on their part. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, yeah, I did write the exam. Um, the exam took me about six hours to write. Oh, wow. Very stressful times, mm-hmm. but um, in the end, um, we passed. And just a, a little little tidbit that I need to share with uh, uh, your audience mm-hmm. about the exam is that they never tell you your score or your grade. They just tell you if you pass or you fail. Oh, wow. So, so you'll, yeah, never you'll never find that information. Know what you, oh. You'll never know what your score is oh, wow. or your okay. marks are. So are you licensed? So you've got your license through Ontario. Are you licensed to practice in all of Canada or just Ontario? Yeah, so it's just Ontario for now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some parts of uh, Canada that a license is not required to represent the, the public with, with um, legal matters. I believe in, in BC, yeah. paralegals are not licensed. That's correct, yes. They don't have to be licensed. They don't even have to have any uh, special education. And there's no way, obviously, there's no exam that they have to write since they didn't go to any special education. However, they are, as you know, have to be supervised by a lawyer. Yeah. And uh, that's a little troubling because, um, it, it, you know, legal matters are very serious. And, you, you know, you tend to want to have someone that's licensed, that knows what they're doing. I'm not saying or suggesting that people in BC don't know what they're doing, but if you're licensed and you're governed by a body, um, it gives the public um, more more confidence, confidence to know right? that yeah, exactly. somebody, somebody competent is representing exactly. them. Exactly. I, I would agree on that. So tell me, uh, what areas of law do you currently practice? Yeah, so our office um, practices personal injury, criminal matters, landlord and tenant issues, and uh, small claims matters as well. Okay. So, but 80% of our practice is personal injury. And we do, we represent people that are injured in car accidents. We represent people that are injured in slip and falls. For example, someone might fall on some, I guess, a, a banana peel or you know, slip uh, a, a slippery floor in Walmart, and if they're injured, and we it, it's come to our attention that Walmart was negligent. I'm I'm not just you know I'm forget Walmart. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get myself in trouble. <laughs> any any company that's negligent, we right. will um, go after them to sort of look for recourse for our clients so okay. um it could be any company so i i, I don't want to get myself in trouble by sure anyone. totally understand <laughs> <laughs> i hear you okay so after um you you got your license and what was the next step you set up your practice did you set it set it up right away or did you wait or did you work under someone else for a while how did you get yourself started right so i did my internship 
or placement, as mm-hmm. we call it, with um, another paralegal. And she, it, hap- it so happened that she was a friend of mine, okay, an old, old childhood friend that uh, was actually a paralegal. And um, it, it worked out well for me. I did my internship with her under her tutelage. She was really great experience for me. And I knew I wanted to get into my own practice right away. Okay. So I did not even, I did not work with anyone. I started my practice the day I got my license. I think I, I had my business plan already set up, just waiting for my license. Uh, so the day that I got my license, I was able to practice. I was up, up and running because I, I had planned my business oh, oh, for the six months previous to that. That was smart, definitely smart. So you were in business almost immediately then. Yeah, so um, after I got my license, I met clients in Tim Hortons coffee shops. I met them at home. I built up my my client base that way, did some good work in community, got some referrals. Mm-hmm. About six months later, I opened an office, and the rest is history. Oh, wow, you did really well. That's awesome. Now you. we're you. you're welcome. Now we're in a pandemic situation. How has that changed your practice in any way, if at all? Yes, yeah, so it has had an effect on our industry. Um, the courts are currently not open, and with respect to meeting clients, we, we have to. Things have just started opening up, but back in March, April, and May, uh, we did virtual meetings via Zoom or WebEx. Uh, There's, you know, we we had to adhere to social distancing guidelines. It was a trying, it was a very trying time. Um, My staff uh, worked from home. Um, I worked from home as well Mm -hmm. and went into my office occasionally. Um, But it's, it's still, it's still touch and go. Things haven't opened up completely. Things are now just starting to get back to some semblance of, of normalcy but it has been uh, a trying time for the for the industry courts are not open but people will always have legal issues right that's true so despite the pandemic there there are people that you know need advice that people still get into accidents people still get hurt so life doesn't stop right. it's just that um life is now different right so we have to adapt to to the changes in society but we still provide good services to the public we're easily accessible and the law society has i don't want to say bend the rules but the law society have been a little they've loosened um, up a little bit loosened loosened the rules a bit Mm -hmm. to accommodate things that um, they wouldn't normally do I want to ask you, um, with what you're saying about uh, you can't go into the courts and everything, so is that all, not virtual, but that is all via Zoom now that you're meeting with the, the judge? Yeah, so the, so there are trials going on, but only in the most extreme cases. So okay. murder trials. Um, it, it's because, you know, in any, in any trial, any big trial, you, you'll need to access a jury pool. And to access to so to pick twelve people for a jury, you'd probably have to go through about two hundred people. Oh, really? So it, there would be challenges to getting two hundred people together to mm-hmm, select a jury. So things are things are on hold right now. Okay. What do you find most rewarding about your practice? So I'm able to. I really enjoy the fact that I'm able to help people. It's it's very rewarding 
when I'm able to help someone with a legal issue. Mm-hmm. It's very satisfying to to get a positive result. Um, you know, the results aren't always positive. I mean, we, you know, we're, we're not we're not always successful. Yeah, I was just going to ask that question next. Okay, so that's good yes, to know. We, well, it's we not good try. to know, but you do your best to try and get a settlement. Absolutely. Okay. Get we're it. only we're only as good as the set of facts presented to us. That is right? true. Mm-hmm. What? So the old saying goes, you're you're entitled to your own opinion, but you're not entitled to your own set of facts. Huh. So the, the the facts never change, right? Yeah, so you're only as good facts. as the facts presented. Right, to you. right, right. So with that slip and fall, well, you said personal injury. Does that personal injury come under slip and falls? I guess it would, right? Yes, it, it, yeah. it is. So yeah, personal okay. injury is anything that happens to an individual. Okay. So if... You touched on, uh, I, I believe you touched on dog bites. Right. So for example, you, you go to somebody's house, you know, they have a pet. Um, you know, the, the the homeowners should be able to let you know if the pet's friendly, if the pet's not friendly. If the you go to somebody's home and the pet bites you, um, it's unfortunate, but you, you are able to you know, to start a claim against that homeowner for damages. And the reason is um, the homeowner, you know, goes to somebody's house. They're not expecting to be bitten by a dog or a cat or whatever pet the homeowner has. So it's incumbent on the homeowner to be very careful and have a, a, you know, a trained pet if they're inviting people into their homes because we all carry homeowner's insurance. And if something happens that, the homeowner is liable under their own insurance. Mm-hmm. However, if if you go to somebody's house and you provoke a pet, then you know you share some of the negligence, right? You share some of the liability. Right. So it's it's a very tricky tricky area of law. Um, people don't like to sue their friends. I'm just going to say that br- definitely going to break up friendships. <laughs> th- there you go. So we don't recommend it. We always try to recommend some sort of uh, peaceful resolution, but people are people and some people will sue and some people will friendships will break up Um, i've seen it happen i've seen dogs that have you know bitten little kids and um it's not a nice situation right but that's what we're here for and we're here to help the public sure understood and definitely needed Uh, what's the most outrageous uh request that you've had from a client the most outrageous requests. <laughs> to me, I would get think. The, to me, we get them dog... on a daily basis. Really? People, yeah. Um, so give me an example. So I, just off the top of my head, um, but with with serve. Okay, so the the the, the benefit that the, the federal government is is now issuing. Yes. Uh, someone called and and asked um, if if I take serve, do I have to go back to work? Um, and you know, employment <laughs> law is not my it's not my company. Right, right. But if if a job's available to you, and you are, are able to go back to work, you should go back to work and not collect service. So there's always but, someone looking you know, for that loophole yeah. in the system. So there are always these calls about serve and do I have to give the money back? And uh, wow, so that's that's not my area of law. So I would just advise people to call their call the hotline and speak to the the people at CRA. So you can just eliminate that call right away because that's not your area of expertise right. at and all. I'm not, right. right. So I, I've taken an oath only to practice in, in areas of law that I'm familiar with. 
Okay. So I, I don't I don't get into anything that I I, I don't know. I, and I cannot mislead the public. So I, I can't I can't uh, misrepresent myself as an expert in something. Right, 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 right. Have you um, ever turned away a case? And, and why, if you did? Yeah, so we've turned away um, cases. Um, we have conflict cases. Um, for example, if, if somebody I know um, is involved in a car accident, or is injured in an accident, or is injured in a slip and fall, right. I cannot represent that person because it's a conflict. I am supposed to represent that person based on the facts. Mm -hmm. So the, the premise of the conflict is, if I know that person, then I would sort of try to, guess, spin the facts in their favor. Mm. So it, it's, it's not always going to happen, but the law society says that if there's a conflict, you have to declare it, and you cannot take that file. Could you and turn it to someone to... else in your office? Yes, absolutely. Not in my office. Not in. However, not in your. Office. We would have to refer it out to another law firm. Okay. Okay. As the director of my of my company, yeah. I would it would still fall under a conflict. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. Awesome. And how many is it? Just yourself in the office? How many other paralegals do you have? So we have currently five other people working in the office. Okay. I'm the only person licensed to practice law, but I do have uh, clerks. I have a couple of clerks. I have an assistant. Mm -hmm. I have a marketing person, and I have uh, just a data entry person. Okay. So currently, right now, only t there's only two of us in the office. The other three people are currently working off-site. Off-site. So what should a person do? If they get into an accident, say, and they're injured, uh, when do you receive that call? So it depends. Uh, I've received calls from the scene of the accident. Really? Uh, uh, yeah, I've received calls from. Um, I've received calls from the hospital. I've received calls a few days later. But what a person should do is always call nine one one. You get into an accident and you've think you're injured, call 911, get the police out there, um, get an ambulance, and go get yourself checked out, get an x-ray, and if you think you, you know, sometimes people get injured and they don't know it until a couple of days later, mm -hmm. when they start feeling sore, they've got a stiff neck, lower back injuries, um, you know, leg injuries, things don't really happen. You don't really feel things until, until after a the fact. Right. That's so it's, true. It's like, it's like going to the gym and working on your legs. Um, it feels great when you're working out, but the next day you can't get out of bed. So that's, that's pretty much how injuries, um, progress. You, you, you know, sometimes you think you're okay. And a couple of days later, so I, I get calls. You know, a couple of days later, I get calls from the hospital. I get calls from tow truck drivers. Oh, I get really? calls saying, mm -hmm. yeah, because mm -hmm. um, it's all part of our, our industry. And um, tow truck drivers, you know, see people that are injured. And they say, look, you're going to need a lawyer. Call this guy. And, um, yeah, I get mm -hmm. calls from that's good. Good networking, tow truck then. drivers. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Uh, have you ever turned away a case? And yeah, I, I have turned away cases. Um, we, we don't push things that are not. Um, so 
most injuries are subjective, right? So maybe 90% of the injuries are soft tissue. But soft tissue injuries can manifest into chronic pain. So most injuries are soft tissue and the pain is subjective. Mm -hmm. So subjective pain means pain that only you feel but nobody else can, can see. Right. So, for instance, a headache is subjective. Right, right. You know, you have a headache, but nobody knows that you have a headache. Toothaches are subjective. You have a toothache, but nobody can tell. Objective injuries, on the other hand, are injuries that can be diagnosed by an x-ray, an ultrasound, or an MRI. You've got a broken foot. The x-ray tells you your foot is broken. It's black and white. That's an objective injury got a broken wrist the ultrasound tells you your wrist is broken that is objective that's black and white right but subjective injuries on the other hand are, are injuries that you feel but nobody else can see so at some point the subjective injuries turn into chronic pain however in our assessment of our of a, of a file we will look at the person's pre-existing medical history we'll look at um what they were doing at the time of the accident um, in a case of a slip and fall if somebody was wearing heels and they slipped in a store you know the chances are the the store owner or the store owner's insurance or they're gonna say well she contributed to the fall because she was wearing heels it may not be the case but it's an uphill battle so we make an assessment based on the facts, and sometimes the facts don't don't allow us to go forward with the claim. We tell mm -hmm. our clients that we tell the, the prospective client, look, I don't think there's much there. However, you're you're free to get a second opinion. Right. Sometimes they do, sometimes mm -hmm. they don't. But we make an assessment of the file at the inset at the outset, and we determine whether we'll go forward. Do you have doctors that you send? your clients to see to get maybe evaluated how's, how's that yes happen? we do yeah okay. so the, the way the system is set up is it's pretty straightforward um the insurance companies have their doctors that they'll send the clients to we have our doctors that we'll send them to to get our reports at the end of the day it's our reports versus the insurance company's reports and at some point it's not worth the fight so we both decide to settle the file Okay. So, yes, we do have our own doctors because mm -hmm. the, the legislation states that the client is allowed to see their own doctor to get their own evaluation. Okay. The legislation states that the insurance company has a right to send that client to see the insurance doctors to get an evaluation. Okay. And, you know, it's sometimes, a, a, you know, a, a tug of war. You know, our doctors will say one thing. The insurance doctors will say something else. And sometimes... Both sides agree that there's nothing wrong with the client and both sides sometimes agree that, yeah, the client's injured. So at, at, it, it is what it is, but, uh, but you know, insurance is allowed to have their doctors, the client's allowed to have their doctors as well. So that's where the whole battle begins when doctors are of differing, differing opinions. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, that's, that's where right. it gets pretty tough. Talking about battles, approximately how long can uh, a case be drawn out? Well, I, I, I wouldn't use the term drawn out, but it, it is a process because, you know, the wheels of justice move very slowly. And uh, you can imagine, you know, the courts are pretty 
pretty packed with a lot of issues. Yeah. However, um, the legislation states that after one year, uh, we're able to come to some sort of uh, settlement agreement with the insurance companies on, on an accident benefit claim. However, if the client's seriously injured, it can take up to two to three years to get a resolution. Uh, sometimes I've seen cases drawn out for, well, I'm going to use your term, drawn out. <laughs> I've seen cases go on for about seven years. Oh, really? For that the more one? seriously oh. injured clients. Okay. So okay. if a client is deemed catastrophically impaired, then the insurance company is on the hook for sometimes millions of dollars. So those cases are not easily resolved because the insurance companies will always push back and the, the lawyers will want to push back as well because they want to get the best for their clients. So those cases are sometimes take five to six years, but on the average, um, a claim will take about two years to be resolved. Oh, wow. Okay. Good to know. What are um, some of the challenges you face in your practice on a day-to-day -day basis, would you say? Oh, challenges. So some of the challenges are, are, you know, we sometimes have issues getting clients to, to follow up. You know, clients change their numbers. We can't get a hold of them. Um, we, we have to notify clients of everything that's happening in their files. So we send them periodic letters. They change, sometimes clients change their address. They move. They don't tell us. We have to, you know, kind of look for them, put out a missing persons report. Clients go AWOL and we can't find them. Okay. And I've had clients that have been offered a settlement by the insurance company and we were not able to find the client to notify them that their file has been resolved. Oh. I've had clients, I've had clients, yeah, I've had clients not return our calls even though there's money on the table. Uh, there are some clients have issues, um, you know, health issues, mental sure. health issues. There, there are all kinds of issues that arise and sometimes clients are not able to function. So may I ask, uh, so if the client yes. is not able, if you're unable to uh, find the client to notify them that the settlement has come through, mm -hmm. uh, do you still get paid? No. The client has to agree to the settlement. Okay. And it, it the, our business is operated on the premise that our pay the pays for the, the pay for the lawyers and paralegals is the last thing that anybody cares about mm -hmm. so yes we get paid when the clients get paid but if the client does not accept the settlement then there's nothing we can do at the end of the day, the client makes the, the decision whether they're going to accept the settlement or not. Okay. We can recommend to the client that they accept, and sometimes they don't. Sometimes we recommend to the client that they don't accept the settlement, and sometimes they do. Oh, okay. So it, yeah, so it works both, both ways. ways. But at the end of the day, the client is the one that's responsible makes the, makes the decision. for okay. mm -hmm. for accepting the settlement. Oh, okay, right. Um, so you mentioned take, uh, taking your placement uh, with someone that was a friend of yours, childhood friend. Do you also take on uh, co-op students in your office? Yeah, yes, we do. We do. We were, I went to Sheridan, like I mentioned, yeah. and I do have a, an arrangement with them. And every year for the past five years, we've taken on a placement student. 
Is that one? And is it one placement student that you do, or more than one? We've taken on. Um, I think for a couple of the years we did two placements. Two placements, but for the most part we do one, oh, that's and great. it's worked out really well. Mm -hmm. um, I like to give back to Sheridan College. Sure, it's a great, great school. Uh, so I think it's it's imperative that we give back to the community. So yes, we always welcome placement students. This year we had a placement student uh, scheduled to start with us in April, but because of the pandemic, it. It never did not happen. Okay. We attempted to do it virtually, but it just didn't work out. And Sheridan College said, "Look, um, it's not going to happen this year." I don't know what became of the student. Um, I'm assuming she did eventually graduate. But um, yeah, uh, speaking of graduating, um, most to graduate from the paralegal program, you need 140 hours of placement time in order to graduate. Oh, so, okay. All yeah, right. that's that's what's required. Mm -hmm. But this year, it, things are different, obviously, and I don't know what became of that student. But next year, if we're able to, we'll definitely be accepting students. Be back on again. that again. Awesome. That's excellent. Um, I think I asked you, have, yeah. have you ever lost a settlement, I believe? Well, so yeah, so settlements are... So when you say lost a settlement, I, I think you're referring to if we've lost a case against mm -hmm. the insurance company if if that's what you're referring to. yeah yes so um look there's always a chance that we will not get a settlement for the client um if the client is found lying about their injuries um, insurance companies do follow clients uh, oh. They do put them on surveillance, which they're entitled to. Oh, really? Okay. Um, yeah. So you best um, be speaking the truth then <laughs> as a you client. You better be speaking the truth. Right. And if I find that a client's lying, I will drop that client very quickly. Uh, our, 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 our business is based on truth. transparency yeah, and, right. and, and based on telling the truth. And if you're not injured and you're faking it, and we find out we're dropping your case. Has that ever happened so, to you? Yeah, I've, I've had to drop some files yes. when the clients have been found to be less than credible. Okay. Um, yeah, our business is based on integrity, and I am a, a, an officer of the court. I'm licensed, and uh, I'm doing a public service. So, you know, we, 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 we take that very seriously. I hear you. Definitely, definitely. Well, that's some good information that you've been sharing with us. Just wanted to ask you, so approximately how many hours do you work in a day? So for me, I'm a workaholic. I, mm -hmm. I like to pull over documents. I like to review things that my staff did. I personally do about 11 hours a day. Oh, wow. Well, wow. uh, Monday to Saturday. Sunday really? On the weekends my, too? Yeah. Okay. So today's yeah, your rest day. Today's my rest day. So when you when you're not working, which is today, and doing a podcast with me, what do you do for relaxation or fun? So I'm a sports I'm a sports fanatic. I, I love sports, and obviously we haven't had sports this year, but mm -hmm. sports are starting to come back on. Uh, I'm also I, I love reading. I I love everything written. Uh, I'm a CNN. I like watching CNN. I like watching American politics. I'm not going to get into any of that no, today. It won't be today, no. <laughs> but 
I, I, I do watch it with interest, and it's 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 interesting the difference between their system and our system. I but, think so, uh, definitely. I'm gl I'm glued to, I'm glued to CNN, and I I love watching sports, spending time with my family, tending to my lawn. I'm a, I I have a, a nice lawn. A bit of a green thumb you have going on there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I like to keep it green and nice. That's good. Excellent. Do you have any uh, final thoughts that you would like to share with my listeners today? It's been a great interview. We've got some good information from you. Learn a little bit more about paralegal and what it is that is involved and how they can help us as the public. Just wondering if you have anything else that you'd like to share that maybe you didn't get an opportunity. Yeah. So um, I, I I went back to school. Um, I believe it was Eight, 10 years ago, I switched careers and I, I got into legal services. And I, I did that, you know, mid-career kind of thing. And just letting people, I just want people to know that you can always, you can always change careers if you don't like what you're doing. There's um, a lot of resources out there. Um, this pandemic has People has made a lot of people second guess what they're doing with their lives. Do I want to be in this career? Is this what I really want to do? So if there's something that you want to do, just do it. I I, mm -hmm. I got into this and I didn't know where it would take me, but the doors open. People are helpful, and in anything you do, always put God first. Definitely. And I, I, I don't want to preach to anybody, mm -hmm. but I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very spiritual person and put God first, do you the best, and he will do the rest. Amen. And that's, okay. just my, that's just my advice. Sure. And anything you do, do it with a passion. Definitely. You have to love yeah. what you're doing. Give it 100%, but you have to love what you do. I don't consider my work work at all. Right. I love what I do. Right. I would be. I wouldn't do anything else. And you'll do it seven days a week if you if you have to. I would to. <laughs> do it. I would do it seven days a week if, if my family would allow. Me. Uh, yeah. yeah. I love what I do. That's but awesome. just anything you do, just do it and do it to the best of your ability. That is really great advice, and it's good to know. I thank you so much for sharing the fact that you started this. Uh, this was not your first career. This was like a tr a career change. And you did this uh, later on in life. So that's a good thing Absolutely. to hear. Absolutely. And I know, you know, with this pandemic, there's a lot of people who are exactly as you said, you hit the nail on the head that are reevaluating where they are, their job situation. A few people have, many people have lost their jobs. And so now they have to look at different directions of where to go, what to do. Um, some folks might be even interested in taking a paralegal course. Maybe they've had an interest in law. Who knows? And hearing you share today definitely has opened up that door for maybe them to go and pursue a career in this field. So I really want to thank you so much for sharing everything that you have with us today. And for my listeners, just remember, as Glenn has said, it's never too late. Uh, just do it. Get out there and, you know, do what you love. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. excellent. It's been Thank my you. pleasure. And uh, I hope your listeners uh, could take away some nuggets of uh, information and can help them in their daily lives. And uh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of the day. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the show today. I hope you enjoy the topic and found something that you can apply to your own life. 
Don't forget to share this episode with your family and friends. And remember, live well daily. Thank you.